like you've got all the questions for me. I have all the questions for you. <laughs> you've got the questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Brian, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think I've known you for quite a few years now, and you've you've known me for longer, I guess, because I uh, grew up in the church, and you would have dedicated me in the uh, church as great. well. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, or those that don't know you, um, you wear many hats. You've been in the ministry or as an occupation for how many years now? Oh boy, uh, it kind of depends when you would mark this, and that's kind of part of my story today, so uh, I'll give you some background. But uh, I served for one year as pastor of the Unity Church of God in Unity, Saskatchewan. That was the year before Val and I got married. Then I went to seminary, and then I started as the lead pastor at the Camerals Church of God here in Camerals, Alberta. Mm -hmm. In 1985, did that for about 32 years. Wow. So. I, I knew that already, but it still catches me. Like 32 <laughs> years in one place is a long time. Yeah, and you know what? It just, it went like that. It wow. was amazing how fast those years went. So and That's probably a pretty good indicator you're in the right place for that time period. It was good. It was really good. It was a good run. Yeah. Um, you're also an avid cross-country skier, runner. Yep. Um, you've done a few marathons in your life. Yep. How many have you done? Uh, I've done four. Four. Yeah. First yeah. one was in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, Not during during my college internship. And there's a, a neat story there. Uh, second one was uh, Winnipeg. Okay. Third one was Montreal. And my fourth one was in Edmonton. That's quite the transition from... Hawaii to Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. Um, and currently, I know you're a chaplain for the police service, right? Volunteer chaplain with the Camrose Police Service. Yeah. Yeah. And then your current role, where you're sitting right now? Yeah, I'm in the chapel at the Rosehaven Care Center. And so I'm a full-time chaplain with the Rosehaven Provincial Program, the Memory Lane uh, facility as well as the Crossroads Day Program. Okay. Yep. So lots going on then. Lots of different yeah. things you have your hands in. So we've chatted a little bit about something I'm trying to flush out more and more is this idea of a health and fitness flywheel um, or the idea that we are holistically, we need to be holistically fit, right? I can't. Um, just assume I'm going to spend five hours in the gym every day and then for my soul to be healthy or fit or um, vice versa. Like I still have to work out to make sure I'm taking care of my body, mental. So the five aspects are the spiritual aspect, uh, physical, mindset, purpose, and I'm missing one. But we'll, we'll, go, we'll drop back to that one after. But I want to explore more of the spiritual aspect of the health and fitness flywheel. And maybe we can share some of your story along there too. Um, but talk us kind of through your holistic, like as, as you view it, your holistic health and fitness journey. Yeah, thanks. Um, honored to be with you, Matt. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah. Um, first thing that comes to mind in this idea of holistic fitness is Jesus 
reiteration of the great Shema, the great commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. It's such a beautiful, concise compilation of all of that. And God gives us every day to live into that invitation. Um, So my journey, I was uh, incredibly blessed to grow up in a very uh, idyllic setting that lent itself to a very active lifestyle. So picture this, a quarter section of land, half of it is bush and uh, creek and wildlife, and half of it is cultivated by my grandfather, uh, kind of an amateur farmer, inventor. So summertime, you could go swimming in the creek, you could go fishing in the creek. Uh, Wintertime, you could skate on the creek until the snow came. And then when the snow came, there were enough hills in the bush that I learned how to ski in my backyard, downhill ski. And my, I, so I grew up uh, with two older brothers and then three older cousins. And we built a ski jump to match the contours of the hill in the bush. And so every day after school in the winter, I'd go ski jumping or downhill skiing in my backyard. And then my dad would flood a rink in our garden and we could go skating there. And the, as I remember, it was, it was an Olympic size skating rink. I'm sure it was not, but lots of activity, right? Uh, In in the summertime, uh, a a good Saturday when I was uh, old enough, uh, I, uh, I, I grew up in a family of pilots. My dad started us off and my two older brothers were pilots. So on a good Saturday, I'd be up early in the morning. I would ride my motorcycle to the airport. I would jump in my dad's airplane and go for an hour's flight over the farmland nearby, buzz a few cousins places out in the country, (laughs) be back for breakfast by eight o'clock. Yeah. Uh, Maybe cut the grass, uh, maybe go and work in the garden for my mom a little bit. And then uh, by the afternoon it'd be hot enough, I'd either ride my bike or my bicycle up to the lake, which was maybe three or four kilometers away and go swimming and, uh, be home in time for supper, polish my shoes so they were ready for church next morning. <laughs> Sunday afternoon would be uh, probably a bicycle ride or a motorcycle adventure together with some buddies and back in time for Sunday night church. So <laughs> that's a little bit of the active lifestyle uh, that I started out with. Uh, junior high, I got involved in uh, uh, team sports. So anytime the gym was open, I was there. Uh, Got to play basketball, volleyball for the junior high school team. While I was still in junior high, they drafted me. <laughs> so got to go and play uh, uh, basketball with the junior, junior varsity team with the high school. And um, got involved in soccer, volleyball, basketball, fastball, golf, badminton, track and field. Um, and then... So to back up a little bit, I had to be careful in the fall and in the spring because of some allergies to grain dust and uh, pollen. And (laughs) this maybe gives away my age, but those were the days that doctors still did house calls. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the summer that I turned, I'm, I'm going backwards here a little bit, but it's part of the story. Yeah. The summer that I turned seven, I'd been out riding with my grandfather on the combine and he didn't have a cab on his combine. It was just an open, open cab cockpit combine. <laughs> And the wind was blowing from behind and all this barley dust was Not good for the allergies and, and, uh, and uh, grain dust was blown over top of us. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden I started to develop this, just this real difficulty in breathing. And by about midnight, I'm just, I'm wheezing and coughing and I can hardly breathe. My parents called our family doctor and he made a house call at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> brought brought with him what he thought I needed just to be able to open up my my respiration and sure enough yep. it worked and yep. then uh, I did an office visit with him or a clinic visit with him afterwards and got put on some medications that helped me through those uh, adolescent pre-adolescent and adolescent years and eventually by the time I turned about 18 19 the allergies subsided and that's when I got started long distance running because I got out of high school and team sports were done. Yeah. So I had to do something. And yeah. uh, I got started uh, following in my brother's footsteps. Uh, he, had, he had run a marathon or two. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do that. So that's how I got started in the long distance running. Yeah. And that, when you start describing it, it sounds like a book. It sounds like, I was thinking of like a more modern day Little House on the Prairie. And that's not. <laughs> yeah. It's like really when I look back on it, it incredible opportunities that yeah. were handed to me and yeah. I was blessed with yeah and parents were very supportive as long as I got my work done as long as I got the chores done I could play as much as I wanted that's amazing yeah really was grew up um so then what led you into the platform of ministry and I like to say platform instead of talking about like a career or a job because it's just it's a platform we can live into our purpose, I guess. Yeah. Well, I never, <laughs> I never saw it as life's platform uh, growing up. In fact, Matt, I agonized over ministry for years and years, but uh, here, here's <laughs> my first sermon. I think I was about 12 or 13 and our pastor called okay. up a number of us in our junior high, senior high youth group and said, um, for our sermon this coming weekend, I'd like a series of our youth to give a short commentary on an assigned scripture passage. So either on the phone call, he dictated incorrectly the passage of scripture he wanted me to t comment on, or I wrote it down wrong, but <laughs> it was from the book of Daniel. And I'm pretty sure he wanted me to make a comment or two about Daniel in the lion's den. Okay. But the scripture text that I copied down ended up being one of Daniel's apocalyptic visions with these monsters coming out of the oceans and, <laughs> and these world turmoil, the world turmoil. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I... <laughs> I, I did my best and came up with about a two or three minute commentary on this piece. And my grand conclusion to my first sermon at the Morton Church of God was, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and that's where it all began. 
That's yeah. Awesome. So anyway, that that kind of launched me, uh, I suppose. And after that, some of the grandmas, I remember some of the grandmas in the church saying, oh, Brian, you know, I like I'm maybe 14 at the time. And and some of them started to say, I think you would make a good pastor. And I like, I just, that was the last thing that I wanted to do. It was the last thing on my mind. And I started to run away from it. Yeah. Like Jonah and I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't go and like the prodigal son, go and spend all of my money on riotous living, but yeah. I did not want to have anything to do with ministry. Um, and there's lots of stories behind that, but um what I wanted, what I really wanted to do was to uh, be a phys ed teacher and a coach in a high school setting. So after a couple of years of working in the construction industry, just to earn some cash um, and, and uh, earn a pilot's license, hmm. I, uh, I uh, went to university in a phys ed program. And after a month, I hated it. <laughs> so, nice. so I quit. <laughs> yeah. It just dropped right out. Yeah. Uh, I dropped out soon enough to get a little bit of a refund on my tuition. Good. <laughs> Went back to work, earned some more cash, mm-hmm. did some flying. Okay. And um, um, our youth group went through a bit of a transition and they asked if I would do a little bit of leadership, lead a few Bible studies, lead a few activities. And I did that and quite enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed it actually. Uh, actually and um, <clears throat> then there was a, a group that came through from uh, the Bible college and one of the young men said, let's go for a run together next morning. And so we did that and I just thought he was kind of cool and decided, well, you know, if I'm going to be, uh, if I'm going to be going back to school or whatever, I should probably get a, a better biblical foundation. So mm-hmm. I'll go to Bible college for a year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that turned into four with a, a one-year hiatus to earn some more money so I didn't have to go into debt. Yeah. During that uh, hiatus, uh, I uh, served a church nearby by preaching every other weekend and leading a prayer meeting once in a while. And the encouragement from the people in that church led me into pastoral ministry to begin with. So mm. finished up the undergrad, did a master's degree, um, after uh, Valerie and I got married, uh, then uh, was called to the Camaros Church of God in 1985 and served there until 2017. So, and then you got your doctorate as well, right? I did, yeah. yeah. I uh, moved into uh, doctoral work uh, in, I graduated the same year that our oldest daughter, Brianna, graduated from high school. So we actually had grad pictures together in our, in our grad gowns. It was really cool. Yeah. We graduated a week apart. So uh, I got to go down to uh, Indiana for my graduation next weekend. Uh, we uh, celebrated her grad and then we had our, our grad pictures <laughs> done together in our gowns. That's an awesome experience to have. Yeah. Yeah. Cool journey to get there. Um, so when you think of ministry, I think yep. we often think of just the actual church setting, right? Right. Yeah. Um, especially right now, it's probably a good thing to think about or something we can ask you about, like, because a lot of people can't go to church or be in this setting together. So to be in ministry, you might not have to be 
like you, I can serve in ministry as a part of our gym, I guess, and as, as an example. Um, so what does that mean to you? Like what, what do you view that as? Well, what it used to look like to me, Matt, maybe I'll preface this by saying <laughs> ministry today looks like home, neighborhood, and marketplace. But okay. what it used to look like was, and where it went for me was, multiple worship services on a weekend and walking away on a Sunday afternoon, absolutely exhausted, but saying, I don't think it could get any better than this. Mm. And eventually that morphed into multiple worship services on a weekend, walking away on a Sunday afternoon, having locked up the church building. Yeah saying there must be something more mm. or there must be something better or there must be something different because this is turning into, and I, I, in no way do I want to speak against the bride of Christ because Jesus gave his life for the church, right? For his people. But what it was beginning to seem like to me was a dog and pony show. We did it really well last weekend. Let's see if we can do it a little bit better this weekend. Let's tighten up our performance. Let's make sure we don't have any glitches in the technology. Let's make sure our transitions from music to scripture to prayer is smoother, right? So into the production stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that anybody else was feeling that, but I was beginning to feel pressure along those lines. And I'm sure that's not why Jesus went to the cross. <laughs> so so uh, I, <laughs> I needed to have uh, a transformation in what ministry looked like. And it was along those lines that I began to feel a really deep need for not leadership mentoring but just the 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 care for the soul and that's <clears throat> what led me into the doctoral program i had two options to pursue in the doctoral program i had to choose partway into my first year and that was leadership development or care of the soul and i chose care of the soul because in my leadership training to that point, I had enabled or I'd been part of and used up a lot of energy to grow an organization a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm. And you can't take people and members of the body of Christ, you can't take them any deeper than you've gone yourself or that's what my experience became. So I really sensed the need to deepen my own spiritual growth. And that starts at home mm. and the neighborhood and the marketplace, mm. the places where God has put us first and foremost. Right. So what's the, what's the definition of a marketplace <clears throat> in this? Uh, sense? Yeah. So a gentleman by the name of, Brother Lawrence, um, 
dating back to, I think, where I'm going to say 1500s. He was a foot soldier in the Spanish army. I think I have that right. Okay. And he got injured. And so he could no longer serve his country as a soldier. And so he ended up going to a monastery, washing dishes or pots and pans in the kitchen and cleaning potatoes from the other monks would go and dig the potatoes and it was his job to wash the potatoes. And he wrote a very simple little, what is now in the form of a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in it, he just talks about how he could worship God and talk with his Lord and worship uh, wherever he was and where he found himself worshiping God uh, maybe more meaningfully than in the chapel at the 4 a.m. Vespers was when he was cleaning the potatoes. Mm. <laughs> so if it's swinging a hammer or piloting an aircraft or hosting people on Zoom calls for online fitness training or mindset or nutrition consults, that's where God has placed us, where our passion is, and that could be the marketplace. It could be owning and operating a business. It could be running a truck um, and communicating with uh, other truck drivers on this, on the various channels that you might or frequencies that you might uh, be going through on your radio. But um, I think in God's wisdom, the call on our lives is to express our faith in those settings. And probably my father's example, as I watched him and observed him as a business owner, mm -hmm. ensuring integrity in business operations and fair treatment of employees and just the daily witness and treatment of customers. Uh, I saw that lived out on a daily basis um, and longed for that to be part of my own experience rather than, um, again, I don't want to disparage in any way the expression of the church up right. until COVID, right. but rather than the, the, the machinery of the organization and the institution, the, the, the living out daily in the marketplace of one's faith and the influence and the impact that that has. Uh, that's what I believe ministry in the marketplace is, uh, is God's call on people's life. I like that a lot. Cause you talked about passions and calling, which you might've noticed my hand starting to move as I talked about that. <laughs> Good. That's where we want to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, you talked about, passions and calling, which I guess we could kind of associate with a sense of purpose or, um, and I, I, I hesitate to use a word cause I can't define it, but you, you, you can see that I like the word purpose. It's two of my businesses have that word in it. Um, but you also talked about 
kind of core values that your father had. And I think that's uh, well, we've chatted with about it a few times before is the importance of these set of core values or this vision for an organization, a church, an individual. Like I've currently been working with a few people now helping them create what I call their own personal blueprints. Yep. Um, helping them develop a better understanding of their passions and that there's purpose in everything we do. Um, it's not a job is not necessarily a purpose. It's maybe who you are in that. Right. Is that kind of what you're alluding to by washing potatoes? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have moved around in different types or parts of the ministry, right? And, and uh, with the church and serving. So did you, once you locked that door, when you said there must be like you're being called somewhere else um, or that you want to go deeper, how did you find you did go deeper in that aspect? Yeah, great question. And one of the key um, I guess um, one of the keys to that transition, and it took place over a period of probably 10 years now, um, there, was a, there was a deep restlessness that began to, you'll, uh, you'll recognize this phrase, that began to stir around in my soul. <laughs> mm -hmm. Stirring in your soul. That's exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, I love to ask that of other people, but I had to deal with it in my own too. Um, <laughs> By divine coincidence, providence, I was blessed with a couple of wonderful spiritual directors, spiritual companions who, that I, I saw with and connected with on a regular basis. And our, our times together were just listening to that restlessness and the noise and looking for uh, God's call in that. <clears throat> and it was in those sessions together with those spiritual directors that I began to sense that, that real, real need for the, the, the in-depth kind of discovery of who I was, who my, what my purpose was, what my mission was, so you call it blueprint. I developed a personal mission out of that. And that personal mission stands today as strong as ever, regardless of where I serve, right? So it was that delightful process. And I'll say maybe a little bit more about that a little later in our, in our chat. But Sure. Yeah. Those, spiritual, those spiritual directors were just, a godsend and in perfect in God's perfect time um, helped me to do uh, gain that that depth to ministry, mm -hmm. regardless of others' opinions, regardless of the organization's needs. That needed to be developed and solidified for me, and uh, they were they were key in that. Yeah, I think it's really important we develop an understanding of ourselves, right? Like. Mm -hmm. that goes a long way in even in a business, right? Like 
if I can help my team um, have a better understanding of themselves or help them develop their own core values or core mission, even absent of the business, I think the whole does better too. And you mentioned spiritual director, which you could call it a spiritual coach too. And I think we're really seeing the importance of coaches in the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect and the physical, right? So mind, body, soul. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's becoming more and more clear. And that's essentially what a spiritual director would be, right? A coach, someone who, a guide, someone who, a really good listener. Yeah. And one who coaches another person in listening for the spirits leading um, nudges, um, transforming our deepest emotional journey for greater purpose. If I can use your, 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 uh, TM, your trademark. Yeah. Transforming our anger, transforming our frustration. What is, what is that about? And where can that take you? Uh, would be some really good questions that would be asked along the way. I like that. Like I had a workshop with, um, the two brain, uh, yeah. Uh, mastermind group and it was John Maxwell's group and he mentioned something about a good guide or a good mentor asked really good questions so that you develop a better understanding of them and they develop a better understanding of themselves mm. so it sounds like you had a really good spiritual director or probably continue to do um, how would you describe a spiritually fit individual so physically and this is something I've been trying to wrestle with. And um, because I, as I put that flywheel out there, I have to have markers of some, some sort, like uh, the contrast of fit is sick. Um, so in fitness, the indicators or markers of fitness would be um, blood pressure, resting heart rate, body fat percentage, and a list of other things. So what would you describe a spiritually fit individual. I don't even know if you say acting like, or because it'd be more individualized to them, but I'll let you carry that away. Oh, thanks. That's a great question that can go in a lot of different directions. But as I think about that question, I, generally speaking, it's someone who is, at least on or or at least open to, if not able to say, I am on a spiritual adventure, Um, engaging all of his or her senses uh, in that journey, or at least open to the possibility that they could be a spiritual being and that they are being invited into a spiritual journey. So um, if I were to sit with somebody and say, so tell me about your spiritual journey. The typical response would be, well, I don't go to church very much. And then I'll just repeat the question and say, I, I didn't ask you if you go to church. I asked you to tell me about your spiritual journey. And I remember one individual, especially who, who said, I still don't have a clue what you're talking about. I said, okay, <laughs> can you think of a time when God seemed to be very real to you? Well, that launched him into a story, and I, I won't tell his story here. I won't take the time on that, but that immediately launched him into a, a, 
a dramatic story of how he connected with what he understood to be the, a divine presence protecting him and giving him another lease on life. And that opened the doorway for him into another adventure, a spiritual adventure. I, 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 like, I like some of the um, writings of people who've gone before us, centuries before, who, <laughs> who seem to have had more time or just gave this a lot of energy. For example, St. Ignatius of Loyola, again, going back to Spain, but in the 16th century, he, he uh, compiled what we now know as the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Um, and it's designed uh, to be, a, he calls it a 30-day. The way that it's written, it could be expanded into 30 months or a whole year or whatever, but it's called a 30-day. It's fairly, if you do it in 30 days, it's very intense. That's about all you would do is probably six to eight hours a day be on this adventure. But he takes a person through a whole person, uh, imaginative, contemplative um, retreat that first of all leads one into uh, uh, an appreciation for God's mercy, the gift of life, first of all. And then uh, an appreciation for the beauty of creation, God's works. And then it leads, the exercises lead the retreatant or the particular person who's doing this, doing the exercises into an understanding of God's mercy, God's love, God's graciousness, God's welcome to us. And then it takes you, it challenges the, the reader or the, the retreatant with how far we fall short of the holiness of God hmm. and introduces the reader or the participant to the whole concept of sin and self-centeredness. But always it's done in a very merciful and gentle and compassionate way. And then into the experience of God's forgiveness and the need, the constant need for God's cleansing uh, and turning one's heart towards the love and the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. And then out the other end, living in joyful submission, surrender to this, again, I'll use your beautiful term, greater purpose for one's life, mm -hmm. away from one's own self-centeredness into a, a life of, of joyful nearness to the one who has already moved near to us. God has moved towards us first. So it's a life that's transformed by this. So I, I, I don't know if that responds to the question, what's a spiritually fit person, but someone who's on this journey of discovery and adventure into God's incredible mercy and love and gentleness and compassion for us. And then into the joy of that is, at least in part, a description of someone who is becoming spiritually fit. And I think it gets expressed in how we, 
we love God with our mind. We love God with our heart. We love God with our soul. We love God with our body. We glorify God with our body. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky to, because it's more abstract, right? It's a, it's a hard thing to contextualize. Or like, as an example, if I work out, right, I can see my muscles getting stronger. I can, I can lift more weight. I can yep. body fat, these things. Yep. Um, but a spiritually fit person, sorry to interrupt, but a spiritually yeah. fit person will, and, and you guide people in this direction too, mm. but it's it, a spiritually fit person will um, be holding the question of why am I doing this? Mm. Um, along with the what of what I'm doing, right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The, the, I'm doing this to glorify God with my body. Like Eric Liddell in Chariots of Fire said, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. Mm. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, I think like, like you're, you're, when you talk about that, right, that's close to you. And I think I, sometimes it's hard to explain. Um, so when I, I have a whiteboard behind me, honestly, when I can write on that whiteboard and come up with these ideas or I feel that closeness, right? I feel that's when I feel that emotion that you're expressing right now, it's like, it's hard to explain, but you feel like it's a passion. It's, it's, some sort of your purpose or you can express this purpose through that too. Um, and then yeah. it's less about chasing things. Like I could be grateful for yeah. these things. I can have these things, but I'm not dependent on these things for who I am or for this joy. Yeah. Um, some of Jesus reserved some of his harshest criticisms. Mm for the for the box checkers right the ones who live to just be able to check that box off and check that box off um the law keepers right and the the law enforcers now here i am chaplain to police service (laughs) (laughs) but i don't mean it in in that way but but rather there i tithed from my mint patch and my cumin patch and all of the seeds, I counted out one-tenth and I gave that as an offering. And I, I washed my hands X number of times today to keep myself ceremonially clean. Jesus had some of the harshest criticism for them because they could turn around and cheat widows out of their houses and be as immoral in their thoughts as could be. So... It, for Jesus, spiritually fit meant you, are, you recognize how spiritually poor you are. Tony Evans, in, his, in, uh, in, in one of his books, talked about the holiness of God, the, the, the character of God's holiness. And he said, if you feel less holy this year than you did last year, that means you're coming closer to the heart of God. Because... <laughs> Uh, his explanation of that was you are realizing how different God is from you and yet how loving God is towards you. And you're left breathless 
because of his holiness and because of his invitation to draw nearer to him. Mm. So that might be a mark, that sense of poverty, like the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. And I'm sorry, that almost sounded like a sermon, but the Beatitudes are a great place to avoid checking off the boxes, but to hear the invitation of God's heart. And Dallas Willard has written this massive commentary on on, uh, the Beatitudes, but he balances the challenge with the invitation in the book that he has called the, the, uh, I jotted it down here. Let me not forget it. The conspiracy, the conspiracy. Oh, I'll find it somewhere. Yeah. The divine conspiracy. Okay. Um, So it's this lengthy commentary on, on the Beatitudes, but it's just God's invitation and our living into the poverty of spirit so that we can be made rich by God's spirit. So it sounds a lot about the process. Yeah, exactly, Matthew. That, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And because we had chatted about this and we dove into the, the nine uh, fruits of the spirit, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not about, like you said, it's not this, once I check off all these things, then I'm spiritually fit. It's the right. process, <laughs> the refining, the journey, the adventure. I love adventure because you know me and Jalisa. Yeah. That's our Instagram is the adventure. And I picture an adventure as, I think we can view it as just all good. Like it's always going to be in the mountains. It's always going to be with coffee and pizza. But the adventure is hardships too. And it's these things that refine us. And like you said, give us a perspective um, of what's actually important. Yeah. And for the fitness community, I mean, you've often referred to uh, workouts where there are these um, tears in the muscle, the fibers of our muscles, right? Uh, and the soreness as a result of that adversity that we've taken upon ourselves uh, is is the uh, the result of the consequences of those tiny tiny tears in the the tissues of our muscles. And we require then rest and recovery or a different use or a a use of a different muscle group. Um, But why would I inflict that kind of pain upon my body? Is it just to (laughs) enmass my body? No, it's to glorify God with glorify God with this body that has been given to me. That is the temple of the Holy spirit. And it is in a response to God's invitation to us, not I'm doing this for myself, but I'm doing this to honor God who has given me this temple Mm -hmm. and I want to glorify God. So he's, God is inviting me, not driving me to do this, but God is inviting me to do this. I like that. Then the, the muscles, and uh, if you don't use a muscle, it atrophies. Yeah, too right. And I think, um, 
James, right? Consider pure joy. Whenever <laughs> you face trials of many kinds because it develops perseverance, right? Mm. Um, it's kind of like that. I think it, we go into the gym, we know it's going to, I could do the same thing today and tomorrow. I could do 20 air squats, go in tomorrow and do 20 more air squats, but I'm not going to continue to grow, right? My, my muscles will have repaired and I'll, I'll be, I'll enter homeostasis. Like our body always wants to be at homeostasis where, where it's comfortable, but I continue to have to be in the process, like you said, and constantly have this refinement and growth in this. Yeah. And the wise spiritual director or the wise coach will in those, in, in those times of rest, invite the traveler, the journeyer, to reflect on the journey to this point, see where we've come from, but see where we are going. Mm. Right. So the coach or the spiritual director will, will help us look back at our foundations, look at where we are now, look at greater effectiveness, greater influence. I like that. So what would be some spiritual exercises? Like what are some of your spiritual exercises? Hmm. So I follow a, 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 what I call a prayer track. So each day has a different focus in prayer. Um, so Mondays is family day. Tuesdays is my team day, the people that I work with and some of the members of leadership teams of churches that I really care about. Wednesdays is uh, people that I know who are involved in cross-cultural ministry, different countries, different cultures. Uh, Thursdays, uh, I pray for the policing community and my, my uh, colleagues in police chaplaincy. Friday, I pray for my colleagues in ministry who are preparing for the weekend of preaching and leading people in worship. Saturdays, I typically relax and don't necessarily have a focus for prayer, just whatever's happening that day. And then Sunday is, again, um, a more of a, a focus on what is transpiring that day. And if I'm leading worship that day as a chaplain, or if I know someone else is, I'm, I'm focusing my thoughts on the text of the day and so on. That's one spiritual exercise that I do. But in that, I'm, I'm not just talking to God. I'm trying to listen as well. And That's hard. One of the ways that I find listening is journaling. Mm. So that, too, is a spiritual exercise of uh, journaling, getting the thoughts out there so they're not just tumbling around in my head, but coming through my fingers onto the screen where I can look at it. And, and one of the ways that I like to do that is to engage in a conversation with Jesus. So I'll have Jesus saying something to me from scripture and I might argue with Jesus or, <laughs> or go, wow, you're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that insight or, Oh, that hurt. Ouch. But I know, I know that pain is not about hurting me. It's about helping me. Mm. That's, a, that's a healthy surgery that you want to do in my, in my life. Break um, out of the muscle. But, yeah, but um, spiritual exercise could be, and this will sound cliche, but uh, another spiritual exercise for me will be my workouts. Mm -hmm. 
where um, I'm cross-country skiing or biking or running or playing golf or riding my, my uh, road bike or motorcycling or working with my hands in the workshop. And all of those uh, can be spiritual exercises where I'm appreciating the gifts that God is giving me in the moment. So like passions. Um, yeah, interests, hobbies, uh, abilities, gifts, uh, you name it. Another exercise, Matt, uh, and I have to incorporate this somewhere, but yeah. it's, it's learning from past centuries. We have friends that were eyewitnesses to Jesus who've written what we call the Gospels. But then we've got, we've got other spiritual greats who through the years have written devotional materials that invite us into their journey and we can dialogue with them and we can argue with them and learn from them. So we don't have to make all the mistakes. Yes. Yeah. So, so I try to incorporate uh, some of the writings of the spiritual greats of the past into sometime during the day. I find the best, most effective time is early in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'd be the same. Um, I'd be like my devotional time. Like I'll read my devotions. I'll have this quiet space, but honestly, again, it's like when you talk about journaling, I do write posts, but I, 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 it's my whiteboard too, right? It's, it's jotting these things down, um, which I guess would be an expression of worship too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, sure. Loving God with our, Hearts, minds, souls, and strength. Absolutely. Love that. So you mentioned it, some of your passions. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I've also been digging into is we all have unique passions, right? And our passions can change. And um, But what would some of yours be? Uh, doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about things that really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, my, one of my favorite questions is what's, what's stirring or an iteration of that question. What's stirring in your soul? Mm -hmm. I love those conversations. Those, those are so formative. Um, I mentioned earlier that somewhere along the line, I developed this mission statement that uh, I want to live my life in such a way that those that I encounter will give God a first thought and maybe a second thought. Mm. Um, I came across another form of that question, um, not original to me, someone else writing it, uh, but they phrased it in this way. Um, if people were to meet you three years down the road and say, you're different today, what would you want them to notice? That's really what would, want them to, what, would, what would I want them to notice about my life? What is different about me today or three years down the road from today? Mm -hmm. Am I more compassionate? Am I more along those uh, lines of my mission? Have I lived my life even more in love with God so that others will give God a first thought and maybe a second thought? I like that a lot. 
I was going to actually ask you what your mission kind of statement was. Um, I have one written down behind me too. It's to help people have a better sense of purpose, um, utilize their gifts and understand their passions. And that combination I think can be pretty powerful, especially if they all are coming from God, right? Like if he's, and that it's a constant, it's a constant pursuit, right? Like I can't, I can't assume that I can work on out in the gym for five hours for one day in the week and then not work out the rest of the week. It's a consistent daily thing. Um, so does that what that kind of acts like for you, that mission and the idea of core values is this constant compass as you were, if you will? Yeah, I think so. It, 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 I, you know, Matt, I, I sometimes forget it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it calls me back right. to, uh, to God's invitation. It calls me back to God's mercy. It calls me God, back to God's grace for a general term. It calls me back to the love of God. Mm-hmm that pours out on me on a daily basis and my, my response to that. Yeah. I like that. And Tom, Tom quoted someone else and you mentioned like talking about why and what, but having this, this why statement or purpose statement or mission statement, it doesn't just act as a way of like you have to pull yourself through, but it actually can pull you through. Right some of the muck and the hard times if you have this really strong why. Yeah, that's why I like to use the term invitation. For me, that, that gives me a picture of someone out ahead pulling me forward or inviting me forward. Not assuming we have to do it on our own. There's a beautiful athletic image in Hebrews chapter 12 of Jesus having run the race before us and inviting us forward he is the author and finisher and has completed that, that marathon and is inviting us to throw off every weight and sin that so easily entangles us, <laughs> that separates us and invites us forward with that incredible magnet of his love. I like that. So if that's the invitation, the picture of it, what's limiting people? Hmm. Well, I think you've tagged it a lot uh, with the word fear. Um, Maybe just a lack of that understanding of that incredible love of God. Um, And thinking that it's about my own self, uh, my own performance, my my, my own measurements for perfection. Uh, those can really derail us from knowing God's acceptance of us and God's invitation and that, the magnet of, magnetism of his character and his person and his love for us. We want to have a sense of control. Yeah, yeah. there's and, that. <laughs> and it's really hard, especially right now. When yes, yes. So much. <laughs> um, where do you find fulfillment and joy? I think I touched on that already uh, in some of my hobbies, uh, having these kinds of conversations, Matt. Um, 
knowing that I have permission to ask questions about my faith and I'm not going to be ditched by God, mm. but I'll be welcomed. Do you know what really helped me in that? The book, The Shack, and the movie, The Shack. Yeah. The friendship that is portrayed within the Holy Trinity and the welcome and the joy, uh, companionship. Um, the, the author was onto something there that I think we've maybe missed or haven't, haven't experienced to its fullness. Mm. And where we can bring our absolute pain and our absolute pleasure and passions with us into the, that welcome. There is an incredible place. And, and helping others into that presence as well, into that welcome, that is so satisfying, so fulfilling to do that, Matt. I, I don't know that there's much of a greater thrill than, than helping others into that place as well. Yeah, I, uh, I can attest to that. I think just this past year, I was never one to enjoy. I, I enjoyed conversations, but I wouldn't dig deep. But I think that's where the, the good stuff is. And that's where that communion is. Right. Like this connection and which is another aspect of the flywheel is yeah. this communion connection piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. So what are some of your, you talked about your fitness activities. Um, how about aspirations? What are some of your aspirations either in fitness or personally? <coughs> I want to jump out of an airplane. Okay. That's on the bucket list. I, uh, Anthony on the last podcast. <laughs> I, know, I heard, I heard his story. And yeah. That just reignited my, my <laughs> desire to do that. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do that. Um, I, uh, in terms of personal fitness, um, I'm, I'm now past running marathons. I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, I have some physical limitations, uh, a couple of health concerns that, I want to keep this temple going as long as possible in a healthy way. So, but for me, it's more, more maintaining and sustaining good health. Um, as you mentioned right at the outset, I, I'm an avid cross-country skier, and I want to be able to do that for lots of years, keep the body limber so I can swing a golf club for lots of years. Yep. Um, but uh, I want to be an encourager as well. Um, I want to be a uh, to use the the uh, Barnabas example out of the book of Acts. I want to be a Barnabas to other people. I want to be an encouragement to others. Um, and, uh, just kind of come alongside of people and uh, walk with them, journey with them. Uh, I see that as, I find that very fulfilling and satisfying. So that's an aspiration. Um, it's on the journey. This is going to sound like I'm old, like an old, an old man, but I want to finish well, whatever that might look like. And I, I need to discover what that will look like for me. Right. But I do want to finish well. Like that a lot. Yeah. Every so day is a new day. Yeah. I want to, like I said, I want to jump out of an airplane. I want to spend time in Haiti. That's a pretty specific thing, but I've been there once yeah. and I want to go back because I, I really learned to love those people and I can see myself investing time and energy there uh, with uh, an organization that I've come to know and love. And um, 
I, I really hope I'll be able to go back numerous times still and, and have uh, some influence there. What's the organization? What's the mission of it? Yeah, it's uh, you know, Empower Global is the name of it. And uh, it has, <laughs> it, um, it's been started by a friend of mine um, and it has uh, a facility right in the middle of a, a community in the city of Capetian. The uh, facility used to be the home and compound of a drug lord. And that drug lord got into competition with another gang and he uh, lost his life to the other gang. His wife didn't care to carry on the family business. So she put this, <laughs> she put this compound up for sale yeah. and somehow Global Empower found out about it, was able to purchase it for an incredibly good price. And now this is the coolest thing about this compound. What used to be the guard tower that rained down machine gun fire on anyone that would try to intrude is now a water tower hmm. that distributes life-giving water to the surrounding community. And it runs a medical clinic for thousands of people uh, in a month. Uh, it runs a business school, a carpentry shop, a welding school, a bicycle repair shop, all kinds of trades and business uh, training goes on uh, at that compound. And uh, I would love to go back and, and just be able to work with the local people and, and just see what God's doing there again. Sounds like there's a lot of purpose there. Yeah. A good example of he can make all things good, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to do some closing questions, but kind of to wrap everything that we sure. talked about up, it's, it's not about measuring. It's not about checking off these things and saying, now I'm a spiritually fit person. It's this constant pursuit. And well, even if you think of it physically, I'm not going to check everything off and then say, okay, I'm done. I'm perfect. It's this constant pursuit. It's a journey of joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then that journey of joy doesn't mean you're going to be absent of hardships either. No. No, joy doesn't have a lot to do with circumstances. It has a lot to do with the character of God that can be trusted. Yeah. I like that. So name, here are the closing questions. I think you might've said it already, but maybe there's another one. Name one thing on your bucket list. Yeah, uh, jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> Hopefully I'll send this to Anthony and he may can get you one of those. <laughs> he could, I'll hook you up. Yeah. Sure he would. Um, the goal is to help people with this podcast. Like I, I think it's really impactful that people share their stories. It's one of the most impactful things you can do um, or a testimony and bring them on that adventure. Like you said, if you could give one piece of wisdom or advice that you think could help someone and you can define help in whatever you want, whatever way you want, what would that be? Hmm. I guess this might not be the, you know, if I had more time to think about it, I might come up with something else, but 
learn from the ancient spiritual greats. Um, there's so much wisdom to be mined from the centuries. And like I was describing, we have so many friends that have gone before us, that have finished the race and have left a legacy for us to, to learn from and to enter into their worlds and allow that to shape us and to encourage us in responding to God's invitation. That I think is really important. Yeah, the truths are always truth, right? Yeah. Can't really reinvent those. They're always there. I like that. Yeah. Um, what is the most positively impactful thing someone has said or done for you? So this is a story. Okay. We have a few minutes. During a, a time of upheaval and transition turmoil in uh, my parish ministry experience, Val and I traveled up to Vancouver to meet face-to-face uh, for several days together with my spiritual director. And you go into these sessions trying to, trying to come up with a, a clear question that hopefully God will give you an answer to. So we went thinking tentatively that the question was, do I stay or do I go? Should I, should I stay at the church or should I resign? And that was the question that was kind of in the front of our, our thoughts for the first several days. So we would meet with the spiritual director all morning long, spend the afternoons just processing what we talked about in the morning. In the evenings, we'd get to back together with our spiritual director and a prayer team that we had um, and process and pray together. And then the next day, the same thing. And God was not answering our question. <laughs> Ah, and it's Friday morning. It's the end of the week. God, you've got to, by noon, you've got to come up with this question because that's our timetable and you're, you're still not answering our question. And about, oh, probably 1130 on, a, on the Friday morning, we're just, we're starting to wrap up and I'm starting to panic because God, God hasn't, <laughs> he has not answered this question, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> and all of a sudden Val snapped her fingers and she said to me, I've got the question. And it's not us asking God a question, but it is God asking us and God asking you, Brian, this is the question. And it, it came out of a Psalm that she and I read together that morning which says, um, what, here was the question, Brian, what are the desires of your heart? So trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That was the, the psalm that we read that morning. And then Val turned it around and said, here's the, here's the question that God is asking you. What is the desire of your heart? What do you really want? You want to stay at the church? Fine. You want to leave the church? Fine. It doesn't matter. What are the desires of your heart? That was so formative for me, Matt. 
And we stayed at the church for a number of years, but it gave me permission to explore all kinds of other options that all were a response to God's invitation to draw nearer to God. Um, that was one of the most powerful and influential questions that, that was asked of me. And it, it came through my dear wife from God through, through her to just be able to have freedom to enjoy God's presence wherever I got, got to work. It didn't matter where I got to work, but I got to respond to that, that question. So it's not always about us asking the question, but maybe he's asking us the question. <laughs> it's about listening and responding. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to trust. That's what is on our heart, right? Mm-hmm. It was frustrating. <laughs> Come on, God, you're supposed to answer our question. Nope. <laughs> and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy either. No, it doesn't. And, but it, it, it opened up a pathway that was so much broader than where I was thinking it needed to be. Right. I think that's a really good way to finish this off. It's not yeah, always right. about asking, but listening. And what is he asking you? Yeah. Um, so where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Okay. Um, my home address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm on Twitter a little bit, uh, at Brian Crucial, uh, capitalized B, capitalized K. I'm on Instagram a little bit. You'll see the occasional photo or uh, a wow moment from cross-country skiing or riding my bike or <laughs> motorcycle or a quote from an ancient, uh, something like that. And it's just at B Crucial. Um, I'm not particularly active in social media, but uh, I'm, I'm out there every once in a while and people can find me there. They're more than welcome to engage in, uh, in conversation with me or hit me up with a question or tell me what's stirring in their souls. Stirring in your soul. That should be the name of the podcast. What's sure. stirring in your soul? <laughs> and that is one of your aspirations, you said, is to talk with people like this, as it is mine. So... Right on. I have to do a bunch of these anyway. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks. Um, this has been great. And it's given me a lot of clarity and hopefully people will find it helpful too. Awesome. Especially right now. Uh, we can't rely on controlling anything. We'll chat again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. God bless you. You too.